Our next guest, Justin Michael, really excited to have this conversation. Uh, Justin, do you want to introduce yourself, a little bit about your background and uh, what you're up to these days? Yeah, so I'm Justin Michael and uh, you know, doing my part to try to be a futurist in the realm of sales development. I've been in sales for 20 years and sold SaaS for about 13. And uh, ever since I read the book, Predictable Revenue, <laughs> I've been experimenting with uh, various sales technology stacks and trying to implement those principles. And recently I wrote a book also, um, as much as maybe Predictable Revenue talks about the Henry Ford model of supply chain for SDR AE, um, I've posited that the 2020s call into play the Jarvis Iron Man suit. It's almost the Tony Stark approach. We have a Cambrian explosion of sales tools, which is creating an SDRAE industrial complex, which is almost choking out the reps' productivity, where they're only selling about 30% of the time. So I'm a regional vice president of a SaaS uh, media company, and uh, I've been selling forever. I've worked for LinkedIn, for Salesforce, uh, even for Sean Parker. But uh, you know, recently, I've just had a lot of ideas in this area. I also work for a startup that did outbound sales for 100 concurrent startups. So I got to sell, send a million emails and have almost a blank check on what to build or buy. And so I got to be on both sides of this equation. So you bring a really exciting perspective to this chapter, right? You got folks finishing up this book, first time in sales likely, or maybe they're revisiting, brushing off on how to become more of a modern salesperson. The tech stack's a huge conversation today. Now it was written a few years ago, so this is very fundamental. You know, back looking back on when you first read this book, any kind of key takeaways that you might want to call out, you know, from chapter seven, even if you're modernizing it a little bit more in today's conversation for what's changed since even 17, as you say, 2020 is the Iron Man SDR, which I, I'm adopting and taking that conversation to others these days. But uh, what would you take away from this chapter if it's somebody still trying to get up to speed and producing um, in a new role today? So I love how it starts with what the tools were 20 years ago, phone book, phone, and notepad. Um, these are still good tools. And then CRM came, and then there's been um, all these new lead sources and contact tools, and then reps feel stuck because they feel like, I don't have the stack I need, I don't have the tool I need. And it's like what Jill Rowley says, like a fool with a tool is still a fool, right? So um, I love where you say, if you want to make a big impact for your clients and your paycheck, you have to be willing to stop finding excuses and find a solution. So there's two things. You have to MacGyver the stack you have. you got to return to the fundamentals, which I always love your math of sales. And you know you have to find a solution, almost be entrepreneurial about your desire to get in contact with the best product uh, prospects and to make that happen regardless of your stack. So I think uh, you say great tools do not create create great salespeople. Focus on becoming a great salesperson and allow the technology stack to unlock efficiencies and orders of magnitude versus relying on the clubs. It's like, you can't blame the clubs. I always say, you know, if Tiger Woods goes out there with a seventies driver and I have a thousand dollar big Bertha, like he's going to slaughter me on the course. I'm going to slice wickedly into the trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me the best clubs ever. Uh, give Tiger the clubs my grandpa used back in the, you know, thirties or forties. And I'm still going to get my my butt handed to me. <laughs> so, um, so taking this to the you know current state, how does technology actually help sales teams today? Uh, quite honestly, sellers are selling about thirty six percent percent of the time, which Ken Krogh cited yeah. in Forbes. I keep looking for the origin story of that. 
Um, it's really trying to mechanize uh, gathering the data, getting the emails, the phone numbers, social signals, signals triggers, um, all aspects of the top funnel, even mid funnel and closing. There's you know, the Dave Dulaney V5 10 bound map where there are hundreds of vendors now. It's an explosion. And there's going to be 5 billion in VC per Aragon research into this category. So if you pick any motion in a supply chain from list building to doing tons of dials that connect and sell, you know, you've got uh, some flavor of automation that is touching each piece of what traditionally was a manual process for a rep. So technology is is trying to then eliminate, as we say in here, the, the, the manual tedious efforts that I think the big definition here is you look at that stat of like 30% of your time, 36% of your time, not selling or, or 36% selling rather. Does that, I mean, that doesn't mean that they're like doing other things. I know a lot of people think that they're not selling, they're like playing ping pong or, you know, drinking beers. Like that's maybe not what they're doing, right? It's, it's that they're spending time doing these activities versus, what, what we would define as selling, which is having conversations with with potential buyers. Is that what is that what that means? Or have yeah. you deciphered that a little bit more? So their time is caught up in doing administrative tasks and reporting and researching and social media and a lot of the tactics that go into programming the automation. Because the systems aren't turnkey. And so you end up spending a lot of time in the configuration. Um, right now in the pandemic, it's like a ton of Zoom calls, forecasting, reporting, writing up things. And so they're really not getting a lot of contacts and they're spending a lot of time in social media, liking and tweeting and retweeting and sharing, um, which are all valid things. But you would argue a money ball approach is better. I think a lot of what I like about your book is from the buckets to the different role divisions is figuring out ways for people who specialize in different areas to pick up different things in the supply chain. Like it's, it's extremely inefficient to have someone who's great at social media calling all day when they hate it. Or if someone gets great at calling and you can, you can either discipline and train everyone all the different skills and they can play every position on the team. But there's also new models that call for just specialists, subspecialists in each piece of the supply chain. I've seen both work. Yeah. So when you think about that, where does technology come into play? Like if I'm a, if I'm a entrepreneur or a sales leader trying to build a team of more than maybe one or two, what, what technologies today are absolutely mission critical to really start to think about how do I move the needle from this person is actually only productive 36% of the time, whatever that was versus a little more than that. What is, what is mission, mission critical in your mind? So I was really thinking about it as I was writing my book and basically the job, and as I've managed SDRs and AEs and any revenue functions in a software company and selling tech to tech companies is you sit and look at sales navigator all day. Uh, LinkedIn's API is closed. And so LinkedIn won't give you the email or phone number unless you're first degree and the email and phone number is listed. Normally you don't have it. So when you do named accounts or an account-based model, you name, here's 50 prospects I'm going to get at these 10 target companies. And so then you have to go from sales navigator into zoom info or lead IQ. Then you have to find the emails, and the phone numbers, then you have to research either on Google or on navigator and you have to write it up and to do 20 or 30 emails could take you an entire day. Then you get smart and go, I need a sequencer. So I'm going to get outreach or sales loft or groove or Zant. And so these become the core stack. You really have like the social selling piece. Obviously, email could be Gmail. And you have some kind of sequencing mechanism and some way to get the direct dials and the phone numbers. That's, that's kind of the base level of stack. Now that we're all remote, there has to be 
the ability for people to manage you. So recording the calls, getting permission to be recorded, things like Gong and Chorus and Exact Vision. And, and that is sort of the base layer stack. That's actually what the sales job is, which is why I wrote Tech Powered Sales, because I can't find a sales job that's just a phone and the notepad <laughs> without the email or Slack or like some components of even a primitive stack. Yeah, the uh, the technology sales lens, right? If you're working for a SaaS company selling to technology companies, that might be the case, but you know, there's a lot of sales out there happening, you know, whether it's, say it's insurance or uh, 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 retirement plans, things like that. Uh, old school door-to-door sales, right? Physical products still being sold, security devices at homes, uh, solar panels, these types of things. And so I think it's always diff- it's always interesting to take it from the lens of, all right, you're going to be a, a technology sales development rep versus a sales, you know, a sales rep, right? And I think majority of the folks reading this book are likely thinking about sales development, tech sales into the future, and all those things are super important. But I also think it's interesting to think about those organizations that have historically said, look, I go door to door, man. I don't need a sequencer and emailer and these things. But uh, now that, you know, we're in this pandemic, um, that transformation is starting to happen. So I think, I think it's interesting to think about the digital transformation as you've probably experienced in the ad tech space that you've been in for so long of like traditional retailers and brands and how much effort did it take them to, I mean, there's still some that are just now trying to figure this out, Um, you know, not rely on the retailer, go direct to consumer, all those little things that they could have done 10 years ago. um, That's starting to happen now. Right. So um, it's, it's interesting to see that that's, those are the things that you think are the most vital. Um, You didn't mention CRM though. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah. What, where do you think CRM plays into that? Because there's always that conversation around like a sequencer. Is that my CRM or do I still need a, a Salesforce or a HubSpot or something else um, in, in the uh, the middle of all that? Yeah, so I've dealt with some realtors lately and uh, it's astounding how heavy they are. They have the MLS, they have 3D fly-throughs, they have walkthroughs, they have digital cameras, they're all over social media, they're all over the... Uh, their email targeting ads, and they are hyper high TQ and totally doing tech powered sales. Really crazy. Used to be a legacy industry. Used to have the paper pamphlets yeah. and signs, and so that's yeah, become yeah. revolutionized. Um, what I'll say is CRM is critical. That's just table stakes. I really look at this as Moore's curve. I mean, everyone has a CRM. There's 200 flavors of CRM. If you're not writing down where your contacts live and your business, you can't remember the phone number, their email, their firmographics. Like, it's just table stakes. Like, it's not even professional now. So. All industries must have CRM. And of course, Salesforce proved that was the gold standard is the billion dollar company that people are standardizing on. There is redundancy across your sales engagement platform, like your SEP and the governance there, because you have to be very careful about do not call and someone opting out of a sequence and making sure it lines up with your CRM. And there's just basic um, comportment. There's basic just standards for getting those systems to talk. Uh, But it's true. CRM, I believe, will be the acquirer. I think just like social listening, like Radian 6, Buddy Media, Vitru, uh, like the way that Delta can hear a single tweet on one plane and respond to it has these big command centers for social listening. I think outbound sales and CRMs are going to have these very sophisticated sales clouds that are built to help you generate top funnel leads and to help you understand, you know, the predictive aspect of the big data, like which opportunity is next? What are the trigger events? What to personalize on? I think ultimately CRM sales clouds will bundle 
a lot of the point solutions we see now with converged systems and then lowering total cost of ownership. So I predict that 2021 uh, will be the year of mergers and acquisitions uh, and M&A popcorn for, you know, kind of like inbound was for outbound. Yeah, well, something's got to happen. The arms race is getting a little ridiculous with some of the fun. (laughs) (laughs) Something's got to happen. So, uh, and and where does this all play if I'm a rep? So, um, if I if I take if I'm a rep and I have these technologies, but simply buying this these tools is that going to do it for me? Is there some other work that has to go into this? Right? Uh, You know, if I just have I have a problem, I need to know what my reps are doing. I buy Gong. Does that all I need to do is just buy this technology? So underneath all the technology, like the book says, is being a great salesperson, having an understanding of finding the right people and who to target, having an understanding of the ideal customer profile, the ideal prospect profile, analyzing one sales analysis of the deals you win, understanding the triggers that cause people to go in the buying window, make money, save money, reduce risk, comply with the government regulation, understanding power bases and organizations and how decisions are made, and the fact that it's a consensus now and there's a situational power base. It's not hierarchical of just a C-level. We're just going to call in high. It's often a committee. And so you have to have a fundamental understanding of sales methodologies and then use the tools to bring that to life and to create efficiency. So you can buy a forecasting engine like Clary, but if you don't know Medic or you know some of the derivatives of Bant, uh, budget authority, need timeline, right? There's these new ones like the economic buyer. If you don't have structures around your sales methodology and process and a fundamental understanding of how to do all this before the tech touches it, then the tech alone will just complicate and confuse things. Um, and you don't need to use all the tools. And I still am a huge proponent of conversations first, right? If each uh, sales rep is only having two or three conversations per day, your stack has failed you. Like you have to find a way to get the stack to the point of efficiency where you're having, you know, a dozen or even 20 conversations a day. I'm not trying to shamelessly plug your software, but I think some of the call automation that's going on now that restores contact rates is critical because that's what we can do that an AI can't think on our feet, answer questions like right now, synthesizing. It's like a supercomputer, like one brain is equal to all human compute still. And as long as that's the case, whenever you're doing CSVs or you're hunting and pecking or you're building lists or you're doing research, you're doing low value order of tasks that machines can easily replace. Something on the order of 70% of what a seller does now, even in high technology, is replaceable through automation. But 30% is extremely valuable. Scoping, creativity, trust building, storytelling, imagination, creation. I mean, that stuff is not going to be with us until 2050s, right? So you're way ahead of the machine future. If, if, you can, if you can use the tech to unlock conversations and discovery and qualification, that modality, that's the best thing you can you know, calibrate this toward. That's what you want to optimize on and over-index on. I think so, that backs up your thesis, Ryan, hopefully, in all your work. <laughs> yeah, it, it, sounds, it sounds, sounds very similar to what you know, I would preach. I think it uh, goes back. This is the softball question. We'll end here, Justin. The... Um, age-old question of uh, people, process, technology. What order? What order do you put that in, in today's world? Culture eats strategy for, for breakfast, as Peter Drucker, uh, the management consultant, said. Um, it's a people business, right? To me, a sale is fulfilled when the, not when the contract is signed, not when your solution or service is stood up in their operation, but when they realize the value, 100% ROI, and an F Fortune 1003X ROI. 
So this means that we've done the deal. We've mutually executed the agreement. We've had the kickoff call. You've got the software installed. You've started using it. And then however much money you dedicated to, let's say it's $100,000, the minute you make the $100,000 back and exceed that, and really ideally the minute you make $300,000, because then there's a real value exchange, right? You're seeing orders of magnitude more value than what you invested. And to me, that's people, process, and technology coming together uh, to create return on investment. If you don't have the people part nailed, the process and the technology is really just going to magnify. It's like garbage in, garbage out, right? Like you need high integrity people to have a high integrity process and to use the technology in an ethical way to personalize it, to slow it down and to do it right and not just shotgun this stuff and weaponize it. So all this advanced technology like AI, it can all be used for good if there's a thoughtful human operator who cares about the customer on the other side. So you fall in the boat of Sean C's here. You heard that first. People first, then process, then technology. Justin, I uh, I appreciate your take on that. You know, I'm a process first guy, but that's okay. We'll, we'll leave that for another day. All good. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, and I know you've got your book coming out, uh, how would they reach out? How they find you? Just Justin Michael on LinkedIn is the best way. Book's going to be Tech Powered Sales, pre-order in October. And I just do a lot of blogging from my LinkedIn and Twitter feed. And i um, fascinated by these subjects. Um, <laughs> I think it's a both end. There's a lot of things that work, and I want to know about it. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks again for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian.